Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Oh my God, I can't wait. It's happening. It's happening. This is Emsolation. The internet lost its collective mind. She is choosing to focus on the one time in history when one of her conspiracy theories actually was correct, except yeah. for Trump being elected. What yeah. are you saying is erectile dysfunction? Don't know. I'd get but... on board with that theory. <laughs> You're in Emsolation. Hello, darlings. Welcome to episode. Four. Oh my God, how did we get to four already? <laughs> you may hear the uh, quiet cries of my youngest child attempting to go down for his nap, but we'll just keep on going, you know, because it's real life and this is what happens. Today I want to talk about secret women's business again. And look, if you're a dude who's accidentally stumbled upon this podcast, keep listening because this is gold dust. If you're a bro or a friend or whatever, to the gay men, we will be talking about periods, but again, you guys... You can be helpful to the women you love. But this will be specifically directed at those of you who get a monthly cycle. And it is helpful to those of you who care about someone who gets a monthly cycle. And it'll maybe help you understand them a little bit better. I'll start off by saying that even though I'm 41, my period still comes as a nasty shock each month. I'm like, what? Again? And last Thursday, I told you that I had PMT. But truth be told, I was downplaying it a lot. It was actually one of the worst ones I've ever had. It was four days. Of, it was hell on wheels. And I went into the project and um, I saw Georgie Coughlin. She also, she hosted it. And she was sitting in makeup and she asked me how I was. And for some reason, I just decided to tell the absolute and honest truth. And I said, George, I'm struggling. I'm having the worst PMS of my life. And I might cry if you're nice to me. And she just said, oh, darling, because Georgie Coughlin is the most kindest, wonderful, wizard princess, pixie fairy genius. I mean, if you're about to have some kind of crisis, you want to be sitting next to Georgie Coughlin in the makeup chair. So I sat down and we then spent the next 30 minutes talking about how it has taken us both to be in our 40s to acknowledge that PMS does severely affect our lives. And look, I know ladies, I know we all joke about it and, oh, I need chocolate, look at my pimples. But I don't think I've ever sat with another woman and truly gone deep into it instead of, you know, just brushing it off. And I have to tell you, it was liberating. So I'm going to go deep with you right now. I wish this was something I'd gotten on top of way earlier. Just to break it down for you, my PMS specifically, and it's different for all of you. I know some of you barely get it, you heinous bitches. But then there are some of you like me who feel it with every fibre of their being. I get insomnia, anxiety, paranoia, obsessive thoughts, feelings of guilt, and I become extremely self-critical. The tones of my email change. You can very spe- you can very specifically see when I've sent an email when I've got PMS and when I'm feeling hormonally balanced. <laughs> the tone of my voice changes. The way I feel towards my loved ones, especially my husband, fluctuates violently. Yet if in the past he were to suggest that I might be getting my period, I would destroy him. And I think the reason that I've balked at talking to Scott about how bad my PMS is is because I didn't want to give him an excuse for bad behaviour. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, no, you know, you don't get to, because you were being a dickhead, you don't get to blame that on my PMS. So I'm not going to breathe a word about it. We will never mention my PMS. So I guess if you add all of those things to the fact that we're all socially isolating and not with our normal support systems, and we don't have our normal distractions, I reckon it's not just me going through some pretty grim PMS. So I was thinking about it. 
because of the insomnia. And I have an idea for you to mull over. Bear with me. It's wild. But maybe our PMS is our truth teller, truth teller, truth teller, truth teller. That definitely needed a self-echo, you guys. Perhaps it brings up the things we need to be addressing All the negative self-talk and frustrations that come up during this time when our guard is down and our resilience is low, perhaps we can't push them down, but when we are feeling emotionally stronger, we do suppress them. (gasps) Oh, are you with me? Because the same emotions always come up for me. And I really thought about it. When I have PMS, I feel misunderstood, I feel unliked, and I feel taken advantage of. They're usually the three big ones for me. But if I'm honest, they're the things I worry about when I don't have PMS. I wrote down some of the things that were pissing me off on Friday night when I was feeling particularly bad. And here's some of the stuff I wrote. Some of the stuff I had to set on fire so that the bad spirits may be released into the atmosphere and should never see the light of day. Here are the more lighter things I wrote down. Number one, I think I'm doing too much of the heavy lifting and isolation around the house. Number two, I don't think I'm very good on the project. Number three, my singing in the video I posted on Instagram was shit. Number four, I'm a shit writer and I'm never going to finish my book and no one's going to want to read it. Number five, I'm putting on weight. Number six, my skin looks terrible. Now, I read that when I'm feeling better and I can see that I'm in a pretty bad place, but if I'm going deep... I'm not an unreasonable hormone monster. These are things that I think about other times of the month, but I've framed them differently because of my PMS. So I'm going to be more aware next month and I'm going to challenge you guys to do it as well. I'm going to listen to my friend and let her tell me the things I need to be working on. And look, maybe some of you already knew this, but just in case you didn't, I thought I'd talk about it today. But I do also just want to really hammer home the fact that if Scott is being a dickhead when I'm premenstrual, he's still being a dickhead. I'm not making that up. It's just that I'm more resilient to the dickheadery if I don't have PMS. And you may pass that on to your significant other also. <laughs> All right, well, it's probably time we get to Michael Lucas. Today we're going to be discussing Rona the Musical, a.k.a. the One World Concert. Oh, my God, what a clusterfuck. It happened yesterday to us and uh, we have so much to discuss. The Wiggles Love Quadrangle. Oh, yes, you heard that right. There's a Love Quadrangle and MasterChef, but more specifically, Poe being reckless with our hearts. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Michael Lucas, we've got so much to discuss. We must get cracking straight away. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. How are you? Well... I'm all right. My, my PMS is over now, so I'm okay. Yeah, finally, I'm, I'm on the other that. side. Well, you know, you even copped aggressive text messages from me, which is rare. <laughs> Sudden end to conversation. I need to go. <laughs> need, need to stop this. Need, need to walk in nature. Isn't that we were speaking in the car and I said, you, I can no longer continue this conversation. I feel I'm getting irrational. I must go for a walk outside. <laughs> and you know what? I thank you. I thank you. Because the- there would have been other times we, I would have pushed through. And, but now <laughs> I know. Respect <laughs> the biological processes, respect the distance and breathe. Yeah. It's a social distancing from my PMS and it's something that needs to happen once <laughs> is over. I, I first of all want to talk about episode two of Celebs Getting It So Very Wrong, the One World Concert organised by Lady Gaga, or as I've started calling it, Rona the Musical. Um, <laughs> it, it, 
it look it raised 128 million US for the frontline workers and for who? So yay! But Michael, oh, I think very well intentioned, very yeah. well intentioned. But I think Michael, it's fair to say that's the only good thing to come from it, because. <laughs> I watched a bit and for me the oscillating images between the exhausted doctors and nurses then cutting back to the celebs on their basketball courts playing piano just really got me. Well, intriguingly, also Elton John playing I'm Still Standing, which for a 70-something British man <laughs> in the age of corona, is he thumbing his nose at everyone? I mean, he's a baby boomer. They're a threatened species. I'm Still Standing, that was the song he picked? That would have been like if... Go, yeah. yeah. No. I, to be honest, I kind of wanted more bold like choices. Like Taylor sang a very emotional song, Taylor Swift. But if she had sung We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together in the Age of Social Distancing, that would have been rock star mood. <laughs> but it was very earnest. I feel like she didn't cut her own fringe in ISO. That fringe looked pretty good to me. Now, the thing the thing for me was Elton John, Elton John doesn't play basketball. What the, was that? Were they added for a common touch? I don't understand why there were two basketballs in the background. You thought it might have been a nod to testicles. <laughs> yes, and now this is a weird transition. Also, he has kids, but they, they weren't linked. <laughs> the other thing that I couldn't believe, it was Oprah's shot. When you look at Oprah, who, by the way, got drunk on Instagram last night and cooked up a meal. Did you see that? Oh, I loved it. Pesto. <laughs> And she was obviously red wine drunk. Oprah red wine drunk should be a show. But when you look at the shot of Oprah, all her books were turned around so you couldn't see the titles. The spines were facing backwards. Like, it was the most – why did she do that? Because you know every publishing house in the world would freeze frame that shot and be like, okay. Did she, did she read our book? Has she got it? What, I mean, that's why. They've all overthought it, though. And I think, yeah. frankly, it's because of people like us that have been <laughs> judging and complaining their interiors. All of them really put a lot of thought into, well, into how they'd be portrayed. Yeah. And some people overcorrected. They really did. Like Gaga had had the fairy lights up you buy from Ikea that are in my 13-year-old daughter's bedroom. I, know, I say it with this with great contempt. I have those fairy lights growing <laughs> up in the exact same way. I like to believe that Lady Gaga has some small artistic intern that comes and personally lights handmade candles for her at her whim. She doesn't have Kmart. Very light. She does not. She also had a bit of washing hanging around and I thought, oh, "Oh, come on, guys. Come on. (laughs) I wonder how much thought went into what the background was, like how many conversations and meetings happened about, okay, so people are going to be forensically zooming in on the backgrounds of our houses. Where are we staging it? Because John Legend really wanted people to know that he's an EGOT. Oh, and by the time it got to him, I respected it. He, He had on a shelf beside him. He had all his Grammys, got Golden Globes, the whole thing laid out. And then it cut to another shot just when you'd absorbed all the awards, another shot that allowed you to see back to the full landscape, and I'm going to say landscape, of his living room, <laughs> which was like the Louvre. And oh the, the, the couch was of such amazing proportions. I mean, if you if you just want to spend a couple of hours doing couch envy, it, it was a good way to spend your time because there were some <laughs> amazing couches. I just don't understand. Like, so if you, if you didn't see it, it was basically just celebrities performing from their selected area of house, the song, and some were miming, like we're pretty sure J-Lo mimed. Look, I would never want to impugn J-Lo, but that was a (laughs) suspiciously clean sound. (laughs) I I think she might have considered her lighting too. I mean, she was glowing. 
I want the person who did the sound for that Zoom situation because all my Zoom meetings sound like they're happening under the Pacific Ocean. I don't yeah. understand how it sounded so orchestral. I need the person who did that because that Zoom meeting was phenomenal. The sound oh, was yeah. brilliant. The no, lighting. but none of it. I don't. None of it was lie. I mean, the, the thing is, I love me uh, when we've got a global crisis and we do the big concert beat from Live Aid, Queen, incredible at Wembley Stadium. Even just this past year, I mean, John Farnham doing the bushfire raid. Yeah, but they're I on cried. stage, babes. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable exactly. for them to be on a stage because I can't see the difference. Like, I, yes, <laughs> but they're on trying stage to- and live. <laughs> Keith Urban, unless he has managed to, I don't know, <laughs> replicate himself two times over, was clearly not live. Keith Urban did this split screen thing where he sang his own backup. Very Streisand. Do you reckon Nicole was sitting there going, Keith, I like it. I think it's sexy. What was with Keith having Keith as his two backup singers? I didn't understand that. I think he thought, I'm going to go the most viral. I'm going to win this. <laughs> Who did win? Who won? It's funny because if you if someone asked me, like, which bit should I check out on, you know, YouTube if I just want to watch yeah. one bit, which is the yeah. recommended way to view it, don't watch, don't go through the whole thing. No. Look, I don't know. I'm going to say I quite liked the Rolling Stones. I was intrigued by the drummer of the Rolling Stones who didn't seem to be, I mean, is that some sort of technology where you don't even need to have a drum kit? You just drum into the air? Or did no one want to tell him, mate, you're not connected to anything? You just drum and, you're just drumming into nothing at the moment. I, I thought they were okay. But, I mean, you know, I, ultimately it crescendoed appropriately with Celine oh, singing the prayer. Stunning. Yeah, with, with Lady Gaga and um, Andrea Bocelli. Um, Anthony Calaya, no word from him. I mean, clearly it's his song. He wrote it. <laughs> No I think comment. that was the high point, but with the lack of audience, oh, yeah, I don't I know. know. Poor Celine. She'd been looking around going, where are the people? Where are they? <laughs> yeah. I they didn't know, I let just... her speak either. I wish they had her because when oh. Celine delivers a monologue, <laughs> that's entertainment. That would be healing for me. Can you imagine Celine's take on coronavirus? Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> Amazing. I can only dream. All right. Well, it's now time to bring in a special guest to the Evan Michael. I know. um, I'd like to welcome my daughter, Marcella. Hello. Now, Chella heard what we were talking about next and um, she wanted to weigh in because she's obsessed with the two things we're going to cover. And the first thing is Chella has had a front row seat to my obsession with the love lives of the Wiggles. Yes, you heard that right. Okay. Look, I'm just gathering the fact that for some reason I would have thought that Chella grew up with the Wiggles and she put you onto it. But no, you're introducing her to the love life of the Wiggles? This is Anyway, so it's fascinating. Do you remember watching the Wiggles? No. No, Chella wasn't really a Wiggles girl. So, And also it's a whole new lineup of Wiggles. It's a new cast. And so this is why, you know, it's they're young and they're mixing. And so Emma is the yellow Wiggle, the first lady Wiggle to ever be. And she joined the Wiggles in 2013. And that was the same time that Lachlan Wiggle, the purple Wiggle, joined. Now, a couple weeks later they started dating, right? So into Wiggle dating. First of all, should have been a no-no. They got married in 2016 and then they announced their split in August 2018. Now, first of all, I'm going to keep this chat and I want to remind my daughter and my best friend to keep this respectful because I'm friends with Lockie the Wiggle and I'm also friends with Emma the Wiggle. And when I say friends, I mean they've they've both liked my photos on Instagram. Replied to your Instagram story. That's right. And one of them (coughs) even wrote me a song. Lockie wrote me a song, didn't he? Yes. Oh, yeah. so, that's beautiful. Yeah, and also <clears throat> they're very litigious and want to protect their brand. So 
We're going to be very respectful. Here we go. <clears throat> oh, my God. I've been waiting to wait. This is so long. Ken, first of all, can we please applaud Emma? Can you imagine being in such close proximity to your ex and having to be so relentlessly joyful the entire time, Michael? Can you imagine that? Look, uh, yeah, it certainly gives you a a greater appreciation for her performance skills. I mean, she is a sunny, sunny presence. I know. And, like, they play the episodes all out of order on ABC Kids. So what I like to do is I like to try and guess how far down the divorce spiral they are. Are they wearing their wedding rings this episode? Has he put on a little bit of weight? Has he lost a bit of weight? Has he had a haircut? How tightly is she gripping the wheel of the big red car? (laughs) I just want to take a moment to say, firstly, it really, it's only just registered to me that it's nothing to do with Chella as a child loving the Wiggles. It's that M has, in the time of Corona, such as her desperation for the love lives of celebrities, she's taken the time to study the Wiggles. The Wiggles. Some people, when they've got this free time, I don't know, they're renovating their house. M's going, she's looking back over which, which celebrity love triangles have I missed. Ah, oh, the Wiggles. And now, that's where you put it in the house. You're watching ABC Kids. I hope is Elio at least there with you? He's not at that age. I hope he's not at that age. I mean, it's you. You're sitting there with a drink, watching with a gin, probably watching ABC Kids, thinking who's sleeping with who. Yeah, but it's the. This is Chella, by the way. I know we sound the same, so we might have to differentiate. This is Chella. It's the only show Elio will watch, so we have to oh, okay. find the entertainment well, that makes where it we a bit can. Better. Yeah, and my teller violently has very has very strong opinions on certain songs, don't you? I hate them all except play the bass guitar. Oh, what about um, want a leather jacket? No, one, no, 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 because <laughs> the leather jackets they said red leather jacket. They're all wearing pink leather jackets. So wrong. <laughs> it's the details. So anyway, now okay. So Lucky and Emma apart. Then Lucky announces that. What, Marcella? Oh, he's dating um, one of the ballerinas on the show. Mm-hmm. Dana. That's right. They start posting pictures on Instagram together and I'm following Dana. She has a gorgeous little son. She's a single mother. She's an amazing ballerina. She fills in on the wiggles. So more into wiggle dating, Michael. Also, I think you need to say she looks a little bit like she's brunette. the other one. Yeah, and same big Big smile with the bright white teeth. Yeah, yeah she's same. And, and hasn't she at times filled in for her on live Yes. Shows? Emma went and had um, some surgery for her endometriosis and she filled in. Now this is where this gets. You've gone so deep. I have gone anyway. so deep. <laughs> <laughs> this is where this gets amazing, right? Okay, so there's an episode um, in Wiggles World where Lockie has to go and visit the king of Curly, is it Curly Land? Curly something. 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 And his new girlfriend, Dana, is called the Curly Bird. And he gets a phone call and it's kind of weird because Lockie's there dancing while his girlfriend's sitting on like a swing dressed up as a bird and she's like his pet. And he does some dancing. Now let's have a listen to Lockie after he's finished dancing. The Curly Bird has given me a message sent by King Sam of Curly Town. Well, before I read it, and before I go to help, I better check my luxurious locks are in order. After such fruity dancing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me of a morning. I love him so much. Fruity dancing. Anyway, the phone call from the king is to tell Lockie that the yellow bird is sad. So Lockie's solution is to take the curly bird to dance for the yellow bird 
to cheer her up. Can you oh. grasp? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> Mocky's taking his new girlfriend to see his ex-wife so that they can dance together so that they feel better. I mean, you couldn't write this in some kind of friggin' soap. <laughs> It's wild, Michael. Wow. We've recently found out. This is Chella. Also, that Emma is now dating the fairy-winged banjo player, Oliver, who is also on the Wiggles. Who also. Oh, my God. It gets better. Who also plays in a folk rock band, the Unusual Commoners, alongside Anthony the Blue Wiggle. And guess what? Lockie the Purple Wiggle. Hang on, what? So he's in a band with her ex? Yes. He's in a band with her ex? Yes. Whoa. I was going to say we've gone from a love triangle to a love quadrangle, but now we're a love quinn five-sided thing. Wow. I know. So for all of you mothers and fathers out there listening, wondering if you're just watching, you know, do the propeller and big red car and everybody clap, (laughs) there is some stuff going on. And kudos to all of them for maintaining professionalism at all times. I'm massive fans. I hope none of this was disrespectful. We just quoted the facts. Um, And I think that you're a sterling example of of maturity. In in relationship. I just think dating within the Wiggles cast for future reference should be banned. It should be written as a clause in the contract because when you sign up to be a Wiggle, you, you're joining a cult, right? You Hang have on, to should be, be signing that you have to do it or that you don't No, have that to do you it. can't, that you're not allowed to date because – it just creates how much so many complications. Viewership they're getting out of it, though. You're <laughs> obsessively watching. All those hits count. I would say yeah. to them, no. consider it. And if, if Wags and Dorothy got together, God knows what would happen. So we can't have it. They had a pretend wedding oh. where they were allowed to have <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I think You've that's really, against the laws of nature, isn't it? This is it? an insight. Do you know who my, who my heart goes out to in all of this? It's not yeah. any of the people in that. It's Jeff. Because... Oh. Like, I mean, how would you feel? You, I know, but you leave the – like, for example, I did not have much sex at university and then a few years later I came back and I was speaking to the students doing a speech thing and one of them said, oh, yeah, it's a weird campus, this one, isn't it? I mean, everyone's sleeping with everyone. And I was like, oh, yeah, thinking, no, not for me. And I'm imagining what happens at the Wiggles Christmas party. Jeff comes along and speaks to them. They're like, oh, how is – Jesus, the tour. Like, when you stop Wiggles playing Helsinki, woo backstage, what the hell? And Jeff's sort of smiling, thinking – that didn't happen when I was around. What I, I leave and all of a sudden sex explosion. What? What? I think I'm, I'm thinking of him, Jeff. He's also sitting there at home going, Jesus, things have changed. I think Jeff's fine. Look, we, we do need to finish up, but we can't go without discussing Sunday night's episode of MasterChef, a.k.a. Poe being reckless with our hearts. Hi, Paul. Hi. Hello, Poe. What's cooking? So, um, um, I'm going to make a strawberry lychee chiffon cake. Wow. Yeah. I'm going all in. So, how many minutes? 90. You're going the whole hog? Yeah, I'm going whole hog. Full 90, not even 10, not even 15. You're going the whole hog. I need every minute for this cake. Wow. We've been around everyone's benches now. Yeah. You are the only person that has I said know, that. Everyone's I'm the doing only quick cooks. That's doing it. Flaps to the wall, Michael. Unbelievable. I just want to just let my daughter Marcella get something off her chest because it's 
she's been wanting to say it and I think you're really going to identify. I'd just like to say that Poe, as we all agree, was ripped off season one, 2009. Um, yes. Julie cooked a sage chicken that anyone could make and Poe exactly. slaved over the kitchen creating an Asian wonder piece. Masterpiece? Wonder piece? Wonder piece. <laughs> An Asian um, wonder piece. No, own it. Yeah. And Julie won for cooking a chicken, a roast chicken that you can get at the IGA down the road. So, Chella hasn't let that go. You have been raised correctly. That's right. <laughs> So last night was really stressful because while we were watching Rona the Musical, every I ad break stressful was, covers it. I needed well, yeah. alcohol. I, I know. I was <laughs> on the brink of cardiac arrest. We were we were basically led to believe that Poe was going home. Of every ad break, will Poe go? The massive risk. But oh, I just well, don't maybe. understand why she would do this to us. Like she's going, this cake usually takes me four hours to make and it takes let alone two to three hours to cool down. And but She, she clearly said, didn't know how it was going to go minutes. in the blast freezer. That was, no. I mean, anything was happening in there. She had to go back in for a second time. No, but also this is why I love her though. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's quite a, it's quite a complicated relationship I have with Poe. A bit <laughs> one-sided you might say. But uh, it is, it's the risk taking. I mean, after that, I, it was very cathartic though, because I mean, spoiler alert, she prevailed, obviously, she's still at the show. And I now, I mean, that woman, that risk she took. Yeah. She, she's my leader now. She's my leader. What I feel like she should have been sent up to the gallery upstairs. Why did she have to stay with the riffraff? Down the bottom because it, it was a timed challenge and the people that the judges felt nailed it and didn't even need to partake in round two got sent upstairs and then everyone That's just else- us longing for the coronation that we're desperate that she should have. <laughs> but and I just, rightly so. I know. I just feel like there, she, she has to win. I don't think – I think Australia is going through enough. Yeah, I just don't think that I'm be able to handle Poe leaving. No. Yeah, look, we need a win at this point. So, as a country, um, we need we need her to win for us all to heal together. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not going to solve coronavirus, but she'll certainly no. And through yeah. it, Michael, she might be the hero we need, but not in charge of the coronavirus response because that would be freaking <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> but just in general, in the Master Chef kitchen and the garden, which she seems to appreciate more than any of the other contestants, she's she's the one that we want. As I said to you last night, if it ain't garnished, it ain't finished. So she's she just she did here. It's your motto for, for life. <laughs> All right. On that note, I think we've covered it. I'm so desperate. Do you think we were okay with the Wiggles? I mean, we were respectful, right? Like, I just I don't want to upset my friendship with any of them. I you took me on a ride. I, I was shocked. I was confused. I was alarmed. But I have walked out with more respect. And frankly, I scoffed at you at the start. But I'm going to turn on ABC Kids. It sounds riveting. What can I say? Can't wait to see which other love quadrangle from the past you're going to dig up in the next week of isolation. Give it a few weeks and you'll probably be back at Fleetwood Mac in 1974. I mean, who knows? No, I can just take you to Poe and the fact that her best friend married her ex-husband, but we can talk about that another time. What? Uh, Yep, go Google that one. Go Google that love quadrangle and then went into business with her new husband and her ex-husband and her best friend. But that's the story for another time. Thanks, Michael Lucas. I need to go. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) 
Thank you, Marcella. Bye. This is Emsolation. Okay, well, it's come time for your favourite segment, whatever, who's counting on when you're back, uh, where Scotty, my husband, the high-performance coach, helps you out with things in your life that are tripping you up, that are keeping you awake. And he's asked me to specifically, oh, she's turned into Kath. She's... He's asked me, don't edit any of this out, let's keep it real. He's asked me to specifically request that perhaps there's some goals you want to achieve. I said, I don't know what, like, you know, get from the couch to the fridge, but whatever, sure. He's a positive guy. It doesn't just have to be problems. But today's one is very interesting. But first I will say hello to the man sharing the headphone with me. Hello. You've got your notes in front of you. You're a bit frazzled. Let's we like to tell the truth here. You were a bit frazzled last Thursday's ep. Totally rattled, frazzled. I lost it. Mm. But the editors in post production mm. did a great job. And normally we ask for no post production, but in that segment the note was please apply all the post production. And to be fair, there was babies dragging dogs bowl around the floor, there was crying, there was the other daughter coming in the door at the time. I felt really quite distracted. And yet I just powered through. So I think in that situation, people will be surprised to know I was the calm head. Mm, I don't know what to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to Laura who sent in her question. Hi, Scotty. Uh, My name's Laura. I'm 37 and from just outside Melbourne. I really need some help with uh, trying to figure out how to tell my now fiancé who lives in England and my parents what I want for my wedding, our wedding, I should say. Um, I'm not too sure what I want, but I think it's different to what he wants, and I'm also worried about the expectations from mum and dad. Please help. Thank you. Well, first of all, I commend you, Laura, for saying our wedding. (laughs) That was a great catch. Well done. But, Scotty, to me, this is a lot. This is a lot for someone to be dealing with because she's worried about having hard conversations with people she loves and also really expressing what she wants. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm not an expert on weddings and I'm certainly not an expert on the pressures for weddings, but I did hear, I heard a few things like that as well. I heard, you know, the, the expectation, the concern, even the fears. I also heard, obviously, which wasn't hard to hear, um, what do I want from this? What's important to me? What do I want? And then the, the, the third part of it was, yeah, how do I have that conversation with these key people, being the fiancé and the parents? So even in her voice, you could hear how nervous she was. Even just the idea of having the conversation was making her heart race, okay? So first of all, what can she do about that, just that jarring fear of even uttering the words, hey, guys, I'd like something a bit different. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And that, that statement there is, is the start of it. Yeah, so to recognise, okay, what am I feeling here? There's fear, there's concern. How's that showing up on my body? It's a time to be just a little bit mindful, take a breath, breathe into it and go, okay, that's what's going on for me. Because unless you become aware of that, you'll never be able to think straight or even formulate a good strategy or even communicate that strategy to the people. So the first thing is you've got to handle yourself. Mm-hmm. And then if we look at concerns and fears, they exist in our mind and they tend to be always tend to be worse in our mind than in reality, right? Than what they're based on. And obviously the longer we don't address them in real action, the longer, the, the more our imagination gets incredibly creative. And massive. It, yeah. They get huge and, and then it ends up being way worse in our minds than, than what it's going to be if you actually did it. Yep. Yep. And the, the mind is such an incredibly creative, powerful tool, so it does get rampant at that stage. 
But they're also there. Our fears and concerns are there to protect us and also point us towards what's important. So that's the question here, Laura, at a deeper level, you're going to be asking yourself, what's really important to me here? And it's not, oh, it's not about, oh, I've got to have the perfect wedding, whatever that is. No, deeper than that. What, what, what would the perfect wedding give to you? What would it show for you? Yeah, like maybe it's just less people, more heartfelt, less bells and whistles. Like what is it? If you could take fear out of all of this, how would it look for you? Now, she's also not sure what she wants though. That was the other thing. So how do you – it's hard to go to people and say, hey, I want to change something, and then they say, all right, what do you want? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, so obviously you want to be prepared there. So I guess you've got to try and take those people out of it first and foremost, take all your concerns out of it because you're not going to be able to think clearly. And I guess the first time you thought about this wedding or thought about what this wedding could be, what was exciting to you about that? What was going to be why – why was that such an attractive proposition having this wedding? And so you're sort of trying to create a bit of a vision for yourself. What's it going to look like? What, what do I want? What are the key elements? What are the key ingredients? Mm. Okay. And finally, we're there. We've written our list. We've conquered our fear. We know what we want. We call our parents and our our mother-in-law and father-in-law and parents and fiancé in England. And we go, hi, it's Laura. How do we have that critical conversation? Because this is a skill for anyone, not just for weddings, but these types of hard, emotionally challenging conversations have to happen at work, have to happen with our partners, have to happen with our kids, have to happen with our friends. And I think this is a skill that should be taught in schools and it's not. Having emotionally challenging or critical conversations, which could be prickly and doing them well so both parties walk away feeling respected and heard. This is the magic bullet, Scott Barrow. How do we do it? Mm. And there's actually, there's plenty of stuff written on this, but there's actually a really cool book called Crucial Conversations. But I don't, I don't want to read a book. I just want you to give me like a two-minute bite-sized uh, solution. Okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> He hates it when I hurry him. But don't hurry me and it, and I stand by the fact that that's an excellent book. It's not the only book on the topic, but it is very good. Oh, no, don't. If you're plugging things, plug Try Hard by I'm M. Rossiano. Don't plug that book. Plug Try Hard by M. Rossiano, your wife. That's all we're plugging. Plug these podcasts. We are not plugging external things. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. So you're going to have this chat. You got to, you know what you want. You've tried it. You've worked out what you want. And then you've got to work out what do I want from this conversation? What's the outcome I'm trying to achieve here? Because if things get derailed, you can take your, you can take yourselves, both both parties, back to remember what we agreed, what we were trying to achieve from this conversation. So you might say something like, I want to have a conversation to share how I feel, but I also want to get your input as well. So that's that. Now, you might be really clear on what you want from the conversation. You want to have an agreed point of view or in a shared shared um, perspective on it all, but you can't guarantee that. In fact, you can't control that. So going into it, you've got to be really clear on what you want from it, what you'd like from it, the preferred outcome, but also then strip it back to what's within my control. And the only thing that's really within your control is listening to the other person, hearing them, understanding, showing them that you're understanding what they're saying, and then also expressing your own feelings and thoughts. That's the only thing that you can really control. Where it goes from there, you can't control it. So you've got to let go of that and more focus on what you can do. And then what will be, will be from there. All right. So there's a chance here that you mightn't get exactly what you want. So that's where you've got to get back to what do I want from this wedding? Do I want my um, decisions and thoughts to take control of the whole wedding? Or is it going to be a collaborative 
decision-making process with my fiance and my parents. So working that out as well. So that's that. A key skill in these type of crucial conversations is the art of assertive communication. And that's where we're not only being respectful to the needs, opinions and thoughts and feelings of others, but we're also not forgetting our own needs and opinions. So it's an equal contribution. So submissive communication is where you allow other people to have the space and their needs get taken and you submit to that and you let them have that. Aggressive communication is the other way where you take care of your needs and fill the space with what you want and what's important to you, but very little concern about the other. So assertive is where both people are at least given the opportunity to air their needs and what's important to them. Once that happens, then you're in a much better chance to actually get some sort of agreement and collaboration. Okay, so Scott. Yes, I know you want to. Ring, ring. Hi, it's Laura. What does Laura say next? Give her, give her a couple sentences to start this off. Can we have a chat about the wedding? Yeah, sure. What's going on? Well, I've got to admit I've been feeling afraid or really concerned about a few things. Oh, what, what's that? Well, I feel like maybe that we might, might be wanting different things from the wedding. Yes, Scotty B. Okay. All right. Um, so could you tell me what's important to you? So this is where you're using that principle even out of another book, seek first to understand, then be understood. Okay. Good. Emmy's clapping her hands here, so I must be doing something right. That's that's fantastic, yep. guys. Okay, yeah, we might be nearing the end of our time, but you're rushing me again. I'm not rushing you. I'm just saying that we don't want to overwhelm people with your extreme wealth of knowledge, and we also want to save a bit for the nine million podcast episodes coming. So I feel like what I want you to do now is give me the summary of the three things that you had here because I think this is really important, especially when we're in lockdown with our loved ones. And I think there's probably a lot of critical conversations that are going to be happening over the next few months and weeks. So I love this, not just for people planning weddings, but for people trapped in their house with the people, not trapped, at home, safe in their house. (laughs) That's fine, guys. I'm fine. I think this is really important that you just now give me a little, you know, summary, little little bite-sized morsel. Okay. All right. So you've decided you're going to have the conversation. Yes. You're crystal clear on what is your desired outcome and what, what are you going to focus on that's going to take you there? What's within your control that you can do? Yes. And that includes listening to those, letting them have their say, understanding them first yes. and then yes taking your turn to express the needs and then see where you get to there. The other thing is to recognise that you might do all that perfectly mm. but you still mightn't get the exact outcome you want. Mm. But it sounds like you haven't made that work that, that out yet anyway. Mm. So that's the key thing. I'm clapping you. That's a good job, babes. I think that was your strongest one. I think they've all been You think they've all been pretty good. (laughs) Guys, if you want some advice from Scotty, you want a goal to achieve, you you want a situation to work through, hello at mrussiano.com. A little 30-second grab. Just record it into your voice memos, into your phone, and email it in just like Laura did. The book that Scotty was talking about is called Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When the Stakes Are High. And it's by about 19 people, so just Google that, Crucial Conversations. It's a red book. Red cover. Okay, great. Good. That's a nice touch. Thanks for that visual. Guys, that's it for Emsolation Episode 4. I hope you got something out of it. God, we went everywhere, didn't we? Who do we think we are? Don't forget to subscribe if you're an iTunes listener. 
give us a rate, I I do say five stars. I mean, I do, as a serving suggestion, five-star rating is fantastic. And tell your friends, tell everyone. I really want to be Coronacast. This is podcast. It's number one. We're number two. It comes out every day. It's very informative, very important. And I know that we don't talk about those things, but... Please help me get to number one. I'm a very competitive person and I did get busted checking the podcast charts at 5am the other morning by my husband. Okay, boys, I'll see you on Thursday. Uh, have a great 24 hours. Bye. A Podcast One production.